about Paul George last night. 33 points, 11 boards, 3 assists, but most importantly, down the stretch in Portland, being able to come up with the big plays. Double teamed in the corner, ends up passing out of it and immediately cutting to the basket, getting to the rim. Man, he has been on fire. It's been so fun to watch him. Over his last seven games, averaging 25, or sorry, averaging 33 points a game, six rebounds, five assists, shooting the cover off the ball, 47% beyond the arc. Clippers are on fire, man. I believe it's been 10 out of 11 they've won. It's been really, really fun to watch. And that's important because of the news that we got with Kawhi Leonard. We'll get into all the injuries and stuff later on. But ladies and gents, keep it at 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, bring you another episode as a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Brian, we're starting this off on a, on a good note, but I'm just going to say I'm looking out my window right now and I see white stuff on the ground and it is April 21st. And so in other words, you're not going golfing later today. Two weeks ago, I think it was, and it was a, a balmy 72 degrees outside, sunny, barely any wind. Great day to just go outside in shorts and a t-shirt. Today, I'm shoveling my driveway. Luckily, I don't got to go anywhere. But good Lord, man. It's like that meme. <laughs> my dad always posts this meme. It says, spring is here with a squirrel and it's all happy. And then... You just see it covered and it's basically an icicle and it goes, just kidding. That's what it's like here in Northeast Ohio. That's what you get for living in Ohio where I'm in North Carolina and I am wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I might you. put on a light jacket when I go out later today. Maybe, maybe I won't need it, but it's a very light hoodie. You know, it is a nice uh, 72 degrees here today. Uh, yesterday was around the same, very enjoyable day. Nice day to go for a good walk out on the trail or, you know, get any little things you have to get done. So, um, I've got the good weather and I'll be thinking of you as I enjoy it. Thanks. Just rubbing in some more, but it's okay. Whenever I go outside and I feel sunshine, I go, you know, this reminds me of my good friend, Spinny. Okay. It's not okay anymore. Shut up. We're going to get into the best things happening going on in the league right now, uh, including we've got the New York Knicks that are rocking and rolling. We've got Steph Curry, who should be the number one freaking story in the entire league right now. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on. The Nets are still rolling despite being without Kevin Durant and James Harden. Lots of fun stuff, uh, and, and we need some fun stuff because we're in that dead period right now where everyone's just waiting on the postseason to see what happens, and, and usually that's the time where things get dead. Uh, but we're going to try to keep it alive for you here and keep it at 94. So before we get started, just like to tell you, we could get followed here on Twitter, at Spin Davies for me, at Brian Fritz for him. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies as well, but he's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. So... Where, where are we starting off here? It's got to be Steph, right? It has to be Steph because gotta be Steph. what he is doing right now is unworldly. And uh, not only is he carrying his team, but in the meantime, 
He's shutting up a lot of people, or hopefully they're finally shutting up for people that have not witnessed how great of a player he has been over his entire career. And for people that didn't think that he could get it back, he is doing that and then some. (laughs) I mean, these numbers that you just have listed on the outline are ridiculous. And that's over the last 10 games, but I'm looking at a smaller sample size and seeing that, you know, he wins Western Conference Player of the Year, probably a clean sweep, of course, because the, the, the Warriors have just gotten a boost from this and they're actually still in the thick of things in that Western Conference playoff hunt. They're currently the nine seed at 29 and 29, 500. Uh, there were several games under 500, if I remember correctly but they've only dropped two in their last eight games. So they've won six out of eight. And when you look at these box scores, it's just, it's just like nuts. In four of the past five games, Steph's made over 10 threes, or at least 10 threes, I should say. And he's not made, he's, it's not like he's throwing up like, you know, 25 of them a game like they're efficient it's efficiently done and that's what's nuts he's also you know getting to the line he's dishing out assists he's doing it all and when it comes to crunch time that's when it's been the biggest look at what happened in philly a couple days ago you know the, the sixers uh you know they they have a decent lead and fourth quarter comes things are knotted up and then he goes nuclear like, what do you do? They've got guys, you know, double teaming them, uh, guys trying to contest him from behind, making him think about it. Uh, and it just doesn't matter. I was watching poor George Hill. I'm like, he's seen this story before 2018 finals. That's where he's seen this. He's on him and Steph creates this, this separation at the, at, you know, above the break. And it's a great move. I'm like, what do you do? What else do you do? George Hill had this look on his face as Steph crossed him over and took a step back. And as even before Steph shot the ball, George Hill was so far off of him. And he looked at him and started rolling his eyes because he knew he was screwed. Yeah. I mean, what can you do, right? What can you do? And also in one of those five games that I mentioned, they've won four of the last five and six out of the last eight, as I, as I preface before this. Um, but Against Denver, I should say, uh, a 50-burger, 53 points. Uh, and, and then this four-game road trip, uh, he's had two games with over 40 points. And the one against Philly really should have been a 50-burger because he had 49. <laughs> I mean, it's like Steve Kerr says, uh, is there any other words to, to describe what is happening right now? And maybe people get tired of talking about it, but I, I, I truly don't because – it's greatness happening in front of us. This has turned into, you know, should Steph be the MVP? It depends on your definition of MVP and all that stuff. I still think that's a little prisoner of the moment ish because I feel like Damian Lillard did the same thing kind of in February uh, or even in January, whenever CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic were out uh, and he had to keep the Blazers, you know, afloat. There's a very similar stretch to this, uh, but not from the, <laughs> The three-point line, um, in aggression, yes, they're similar. Uh, but it's just watching Steph and him being a, a savant off the ball and making guys keep up with him when he doesn't have the ball. Because this is a guy who does it. The, the, the similar, 
the, the styles between the two are, are, are contrasting when it's similar. Like Damian has the ball in his hands and he just makes guys look foolish. Right. And, and, and he takes them one-on-one, one-on-two, whatever it may be. He's aggressive. Like he is more in your face. I'm getting this done. Steph is more finesse about it, I feel. And he doesn't always have to do it with the ball in his hands. He can cut. He can really make a difference and get your defense scrambling because of his gravity. And I feel like those two things contrast a little bit, but they're still both getting it done and being the most valuable players to their teams without a question, without a shadow of a doubt. So it, it, it's, it's funny to like look at those two stretches, see the same numbers, but understand that their style of play is not very similar. Lillard and Steph have the same mentality. I mean, these are guys that are going to go right at you. I mean, the the mental game is there for both guys. How they display it on the court, though, is a little bit different because I think Dame does it a little bit more with a snarl and an in-your-face ruthlessness, like you said. Steph will do it by nailing the three and then doing a wiggle and laughing about it while his teammates are throwing up their arms before he even shoots the ball sometimes, which we saw even the other night with Draymond. And he does it. There's, there's just, I mean, they're both just incredible players. There's a little bit of a joy to the game, a little bit more, I think, that goes with Steph. And it's not discounting anything that Dane does, but just the way that he does it. And if you look at this season in particular, because, you know, it's a little bit different than the way he's done it in the past because, Teams can focus on him more because Clay is not there. Um, Draymond can't shoot, even though Draymond is finding other ways to tear it up, you know, with his assists and his defense and everything he does, even the defense he played against Embiid the other night in their win against Philly. Um, this is a team that just does not have as many weapons. Um, they are arguably playing a little bit better now, despite losing their rookie in James Wiseman, because that's a guy they don't have to worry about. He's so raw and for things like that. You don't want to see injuries, but it's allowed them to put the focus a little bit more on Steph. And Steph, while he will do stuff where he's cutting off screens and, and things like that, like he's always done, there's a little bit more of he's doing it with the ball in hand a little bit more. So he's having to create a few more shots on his own. And he's able to do that and make guys look dumb. And he's just ridiculous with what he is doing. I mean, you know, I mentioned, the, you know, in our notes, the last 10 games, 41.3 points, 55.6% shooting from the field, 50.8% from three-point range. He's making over seven threes a game. Oh, and by the way, in the last six games, he's averaging over 16 three-point attempts per game. And it's not like he's forcing those shots. I think they're more good the in-flow shots. They are more than the Cavs. They're more than most teams in the league. Okay? He is now... The scoring leader in the NBA, he's past Bradley Beal. He's at 31.4 compared to 31.1 for Beal. He is on pace to average 40 points in the month of April. There are only four other players in NBA history that have averaged 40 or more points in a month. James Harden, Elgin Baylor, Kobe Bryant, Wilt Chamberlain. Who he also passed, by the way, in the Warriors' all-time scoring list. Right. And like the Warriors have won six of the last 10, which is solid. I mean, they're 29 and 29 now on the season. They are in the nine seed. They're only three and a half games back at the Blazers, which is the six. Now you got to jump some teams. Could be tough to get there, but 
tell you what, nobody wants to play the Warriors in a playing game. Nobody wants anything to do with that. And I guarantee you that the Warriors get out of that and be a seven or an eight seed. Uh, if you're the one or two seed in the West and you have to play the Warriors in the first round, um, that could be a little bit of a nightmare. Any team could get hot at any time, you know, like, so that that's why it would be so difficult is because you don't. So if, if you're looking at this sample size right now, and it's a, you know, it's a good, like basically 10 games, but let's call it eight, because like I said, six out of eight, like this, if this is their turning point, right. And if they actually start to get rolling and they do get up to that six seed or whatever it may be. Yeah. You don't want to see them because there's always that one player that can make you disappear. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, you game plan a little bit more, obviously, in a best of seven. If, if you know, they get to that point in the playoffs, then you can try to game plan a little bit more against Steph. But at the same time, it's just like he's able to create shots. And the, the margin of error for where he can create shots is so minute, you know, because he has such a quick trigger. And like you said, this guy gets hot. I mean, how many times have we seen it before where he's been going along in a game, maybe not cold, but he's not hot. He's just kind of there. And then like in the flick of a switch, he's on. And the next thing you know, it's bang. bang, That's literally what happened in Philly. Like the second half came and he was like, okay, it's time to play. He's just like, okay, you want me to dial it up? Watch this. I will dial it up. And that, and that's what he has done. Um, I think it's a little bit more difficult for what he has done this year, but he's, um, he has just been incredible, you know, for everything he's done. And I look at stuff, the way that he has changed the game over his entire career. There are certain players that you sit there and you're in awe that you can respect as a player. There are other guys that you watch and you say, that is just fun. What he's doing. Steph is one of those guys where he's not only an incredible player, he is just fun to watch. For me, I know probably over the last you know eight to 10 years, probably the most fun guy to watch in the NBA. And with the run that he is on right now, that is must-see television. When the Warriors are playing right now, if you are any kind of an NBA fan, if you are any kind of a sports fan, it's like must-see TV. It is must-see TV, no question. Did we mention that he also is the scoring leader in the NBA now? Yes, I mentioned that. Yeah, he surpassed Bradley Beal. I was going to you know, say. And, I mean, he, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, remember at the beginning of the season, people were like, eh, you know, no clay. Steph is going to have a hard time this year. I don't know how they're going to create shots for this guy. And I don't know what he's going to do. And teams are going to be able to focus on him. And you name it. And some people, you know, and it's not just this year, but we've seen plenty of times where, there's lots of people out there, um, quote unquote experts, that have um, put down Steph for his game. There's some people that say he's an all time great. And there's other people that say, eh, you know, he's not that great. You know, this guy's better, that guy's, but you know, all those different semantics or whatever. You cannot tell me this guy is not an all time great in the NBA. I mean, top 25, 30 players of all time. And I, and I might, might be saying that's a little bit low. I mean, it, it's crazy. And he's just and he's just doing this at 33 years old, mind you. Like, and his game is going to age well because guess what? Shooters continue to shoot well. It's he doesn't play a physical shooters keep game. shooting, right? <laughs> he he doesn't play a physical game. 
He does not play some game where he's always getting in the lane, get banged. He'll, he'll get in there. He'll take his layups where he can. But guess what? He's going to be able to shoot. It's not like, you know, he's playing above the rim. He's not one of those guys or anything. He's a guy who makes his game by creating a tiny bit of space and is able to get off his shot. And he's an incredible shooter. I agree. I agree. And you said you have to tune in right now. You have to tune in right now. You know who else you need to tune into? Who's that? The New York Knicks. How about seven in a row, Brian? You have it on here called the Nick Assance. The Nick Assance. I, I was hoping you were going to break out some Jay-Z there, but, you know. <laughs> go, New York. Go, New York. Go. But really, though, uh, seven in a row, just when we thought that maybe things were curtailing a little bit, and boom, they're right there. They, they've taken every bit of that and said, no, we're a legit team this year. And they've got 32 wins already, 32 and 27. Just behind Atlanta for that fourth seed. Half game back. But it's really, when you watch this team, I was explaining this to my friends the other day. To the average fan, who, all, who, by the way, watches Steph Curry, who watches this fast-paced basketball. There's no defense in the NBA, uh, all that. Watch this New York Knicks team. Look at how methodical they play the game. It is so Tom Thibodeau. It is so Tom Thibodeau. But they just grind you down. They play great defense. They have really good role players. Like, this is a very old school feeling team to me and they're doing it the right way they've got they've got a lot uh, of talent and weapons on that squad and you know Julius Randle gets his flowers for sure uh just being that guy uh, of of taking the big shot when they need the big shot to be made and he's making them this year uh, crashing the glass but something that we mentioned like I don't know, a month and a half in that we were noticing was his ability to pass the ball. That hasn't stopped. He is making great reads. He's making a lot of secondary passes. He's not being too much of his old self being a bully and, and trying to force the issue. When guys come and double team him or the defense shrinks, he's looking to spray out. He's looking to get the ball to Derrick Rose to penetrate. Like, he's making really, really, really good decisions right now. R.J. Barrett, someone who doesn't get enough love, nearly enough love. I, I see that his three-point percentage as of late has been skyrocketing. But it's also his ability to put it on the floor. We've mentioned in the past that he's not the most athletic guy nor the most quick guy. But he's very good at finding creases and crevices to get to the basket and to get to the line. It's been a really, really solid, you know, upswing in his development and that curve. Like over the last eight games, 52% from deep on nearly six attempts a game. Dropping 18, four boards, a couple assists in the steal, using, the, using that wingspan to play defense. That's what I'm talking about. He's perfect for the role that he is in right now. And that doesn't mean that he's stopping there. 
But for this current team, he is perfectly slotted. You know, you lose Mitchell Robinson, but look at what Nerland's Noel has done. Protecting the rim. Do you see that rejection on a dunk attempt the other night? Oh, my goodness. He almost hurt himself because he got so high and he came down crashing. <laughs> like, they've, they've got a lot of pieces. And this is funny because, you know, Emmanuel quickly is not nearly getting as, as many minutes as we had pr- projected before uh, because of how, how deep they are at guard. We've been seeing some Frank Milikina, uh nowadays just to come in and play some defense. Quickly's minutes have been spotty. He's been in the last seven games. He's gone from anywhere from 30 minutes a game to five minutes a game. That's how weird it's been for him. But he continually comes in and and produces. Uh, And that's what you call staying ready. Reggie Bullock. How about the shot he made the other day? They're playing the the Pelicans. Lonzo foolishly helps on the driver. Leaves Bullock some space. Hits the corner three. Boom, they're going into overtime. Boom, almost drops 20. And the Knicks win in overtime to keep that streak going. They've got something, they've got something brewing there. And that, if you want to talk about a team you don't want to see in the playoffs, it's one that can wear you down, one that can slow it, slow the pace, play that half court game. If you're not a good half court team, good luck to you. Because that that is a team that will make you earn every bucket. And you won't get in transition because of just how physical and in your face they really are. I don't think there's another team that embodies their coach as much as the Knicks do when it comes to what Tom Thibodeau has done for that team. Nobody expected this out of Julius Randle. He has unlocked him. You know, you talked about the passing game that Randle has this year. The other part of the game that's really blossomed for him is his three-point shooting and that he's hitting 40% from from deep. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody did. Just a gigantic leap for Randall. And you almost wonder, going back to the beginning of the season or before the season, going back to the draft, like, why did they draft Obi Toppin? Did they not believe in Randall? And and the thing is, I, I don't know if sometimes you wonder if, like, Randall saw that and was just like, oh, well, I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Not that he wouldn't have played this great anyway. And he had been getting better and better, but it's almost kind of like that extra little nudge. Maybe sometimes you need, but he has shown to them, like you didn't need to draft this guy. Watch this. I'm going to dominate. And and that's what he's done. It's not only he's dominated, but he's been so consistent. He's given heavy minutes. He doesn't miss games. He's just going out there and he's leading this team. And I mentioned, you know, the second half of the season, I think there was a lot of people that thought they were going to make a slide that they looked at the Knicks schedule and they said, you know, they've played well so far this year, but that second half of the season, it's tougher. And, you know, there was a stretch there where they did lose five of six, but since then they've won seven in a row. They've got nice wins, you know, say what you will about like the Lakers beat up. Obviously new Orleans has been so up and down. Dallas is not playing their best ball right now. Charlotte is dinged up, but they've, They've got wins over all those teams. Memphis has played good. You know, they got an overtime win against them. I mean, hey, they're going out there and they're winning games. It doesn't matter how you win. You just got to get the wins now. You know, they're five games over 500. They're a half game behind the Hawks for the four seed. Oh, and by the way, those two teams meet Wednesday night. So we get a nice game between um, them. And, you know, there's only 13 games left in the next season. 
And I mean, they are primed to make the playoffs. Um, and I think they're going to be right there in the middle. They're going to be, you know, probably a four worse, a five seed. And um, I mean, the Celtics are right behind them too. Maybe they fall to six, but I mean, they're going to be right in that range, but they're starting to play some of their best basketball. And this is the time of the season where you want to do that. You want to start uh, peaking at the right time. And I think they're doing that. I want to call attention again to myself for being dumb and thinking that Derek Rose and Tom Thibodeau couldn't work. He's been awesome as their sixth man. At this moment, would you also like to recant your harsh takes on Rajon Rondo and what he has brought to the Clippers? Well, uh, yes, I believe I did retract that already last week. I just wanted to hear you retract it again. Yeah, <laughs> I retract both comments and both of these veteran guards um, supersede whatever system need to be need, they need to be in. How about that? Well, the Derrick Rose thing. I kind of wondered about too, because it's him being a playmaker. That's doing it for me, man. Yeah, But I think part of it was, you're like, why are you bringing him in when we don't think you're going to go anywhere in the playoffs this year? And you're possibly stunting the development of other guys. Yeah. Emmanuel quickly was the first thing that came to mind with me. But the thing is though, you know, Tibbs uh, to, you know, my chagrin um, was playing the two together originally. So quickly and Rose would be together in these sets. But that changed a little bit when Alec Burks got, you know, healthy and he was, you know, in the rotation and he was playing more than quickly and he was, and, uh, you know, Burks was playing um, instead of him. But, like, Rose has been aggressive. He's been efficient. He's been an amazing teammate. He's not turning the ball over. He's just being a vet. And we've seen this with Coach Tibbs and him before. They just, they just, mesh you know and it's it's funny because you know Taj Gibson's on the team and Taj how, however old he is he's you know doing a solid I think uh and just being somebody who can be depended on for you know a few minutes here and there he's for those physical matchups sometimes he's a little better like for example against Steven Adams he was definitely someone to step in there and play a role uh while Nerlens Noel was having some issues just kind of uh, you know, matching up with someone as burly as, as Steven, you know, Taj stepped up in there and, and, and really did a good job of, of, you know, boxing out and, and getting some boards. I think T Tibbs understood that on that matchup, but it, it's a good, you know, option to have uh, someone like Taj on the bench to, to come in and, and provide you some minutes and get you some boards, play some defense. Cause Taj isn't what he once was, but he'll get you boards. He'll finish inside when, you know, you need him to, he doesn't take many shots, but he knows his role. He knows what else everybody else is doing. You look at their schedule the rest of the way too. And, and they've got some tough games in there. I mean, they, they do have to play, you know, Phoenix a couple of times. They've got the Clippers. They've got a Lakers team that might be healthy by then. Um, so, I mean, they do have some tough games down the stretch here, but I mean, they're playing great ball. And like I said, they're playing the Hawks on Wednesday night. So we'll see what happens there. Um, that is definitely a winnable game. You know, Toronto, you know, that that's another winnable game. And then it, it stiffens up a little bit. And then I'm curious to see what happens, you know, in those games. But I don't think you can automatically say like, oh, they're going to struggle here down the stretch. No, no. I, I, I think that they really could be a tough, a tough matchup.
it's just their it's just their style of play. And it goes back to Utah and Phoenix, very similar teams, half court oriented, play defense, physical, have shooters. We'll see how, you know, a guy like RJ and 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 Julius respond to that playoff atmosphere. They don't have so, much playoff but, experience, but what I'm curious about though is their style of ball is usually a good style of ball for the playoffs from the standpoint that things slow down in the postseason. More focus on defense. Execution. And, yes. Execution. That's so that's big... what I want to see. I mean, they have the third best defense right now in the NBA. Um, their their pace of play obviously is pretty methodical, you know, but they're but it's worked for them. I mean, it's methodical for the Phoenix Suns, you know, and we've seen what's happened with them this year. I mean, they're a game and a half out of first in the West right now, and they they might end up with the top seed. No doubt. No doubt. You know, let, let, let's talk about a, t- a team that we really haven't touched on much since probably the beginning of the season, just because they've been so damn banged up. Uh, and, and that's right across the way in Brooklyn. Uh, the, the Nets, I'll tell you, they've really... They, they've found a stride, even though they've been missing two out of their three big three for all but six games, I think it is. Something like that. It's, it's And it hasn't been the same combination ever. Sometimes yeah. it's been Kyrie and, and and Harden. Sometimes it's been Harden and KD. Some you know, like there has been zero continuity. As we saw this past weekend, Kevin Durant going down with an injury after he collided knees with somebody uh, in that Miami game. So that sucks because it, at the very least, it wasn't a non-contact injury. So thank the goodness Lord for that. You know, but. Uh, you know, knocking knees like that, uh, I believe is something of a bone bruise. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, something that probably can heal a little easier than, you know, the injury that he had been dealing with. But it's the it's the. The brilliance of Kyrie Irving, we cannot understate. Um, he is just so fun to watch on that basketball floor. Uh, it's the way that he tricks guys. It's the way that he. He is such. He has the ball on a string. Uh, you're not going to be able to stop him from finishing off high glass. He's got every angle in the book off the backboard, and he does a, a phenomenal job of just making you drop your jaw. <laughs> well, he's the best <laughs> ball handler in the league. Like it, it's it's it, it is really something, and he's getting his teammates involved. To that point, as good as Kyrie Irving has been, I want to say that the Nets role players have been as good, uh, if not better, for giving him those assists and making the big shots. I'm talking guy like Landry Shamit, who's really started to find a groove uh, in April. In April, he is on fire. He's averaging 17 a game uh, and hitting 50.8% of his nearly eight threes a game. <laughs> so that's somebody that's been very important for them. I think that uh, someone like Blake Griffin has been important for them. All of a sudden, you know, rediscovered athleticisms, jokes if you want to, understood <laughs> you know, basically of what he was doing in Detroit, but he has. He's, he's been very, very um, good in, in the sense of being that faux big man. Um, being able to get inside and finish and put the ball on the floor in some cases. Uh, 
I think he's been a, a really solid, you know, addition to them. And he's coming off the bench. Sometimes he's playing 15 minutes. Sometimes he's playing 25 minutes. Depends on the situation. Probably going to be a little bit more now that LaMarcus Aldridge uh, has retired from the game. Uh, but being able to, to come in, Jeff Green, how about we give some flowers to Jeff Green, someone who just seems to play his best ball no matter where he's at because he's just so smart and has pretty much seen every situation and every role that a player could see. Um, you know, comes in, plays defense. Uh, you know, maybe he's, he's not that great of a shooter at points, but able to just make the right next play. You know, get his hands on the ball defensively. Uh, finish inside. He had an amazing dunk, by the way, the other night. I was like, didn't know Jeff still had those hops at 34 years old. Dunked on somebody, gave him a facial. But it was really fun to watch, you know, their role players, uh, particularly against the Pelicans last night. Uh, Joe Harris, somebody who has constantly, constantly given them a scoring option. A lot of people questioning that contract, but the value that he brings to this team, it cannot be understated. It's just always ready, staying ready for that ball on the outside when the other's drawing attention into them, themselves, kicking out, boom, there's Joe. We know Joe's going to knock down at least 45%. That's, not, that's, that's, a, that's a bad day for Joe. Sometimes Joe will go like 70%. Like Joe Harris, big, big portion of this. Bruce Brown, the unsung hero, always playing defense. Like, I think that's the scariest part. You know, we talk about Eastern Conference wide open. We talk about Western Conference wide open. Whatever teams have those guys that are consistent in their roles, that star in their roles, those should be the teams that scare you. Because even if the stars are having off nights or, or can't find it, you know you're going to get production from the others. And that makes it harder and more difficult to game plan for. The Nets do have some depth on that team, but we all know it's going to come down to the stars, how they play together. And it is, it is weird, you know, watching this team and it, they've got this big three and they can't put them out there together because they've been so dinged up. You know, Durant went through that stretch where he missed over a month with a hamstring injury. They're being very, very careful about that. He comes back. He's only back for, couple of games he missed most of the last game he's going to miss uh he missed another game because he's got a left thigh contusion you know and their win that they had on tuesday night who knows if he's going to miss some more games you know they want to be careful with that you know harden's been out with the hamstring injury and the, the team announced on uh tuesday that he had a setback he might be out until the playoffs so when you think like okay well maybe they can have like the final you know, 10 games of the season, the seven, something like that to play together and kind of get on the same page. That's not going to happen now. Now, mind you, I think in what we have seen so far that Harden and Kyrie have totally been able to accept their particular roles and have played well together. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Durant's game, I think, works with anywhere anytime he's a plug and play guy i don't think you have to worry, worry too much about team chemistry when it comes to kevin durant it, it was interesting 
you know, you always want KD on your team. You want him out there. But even just watching how much this team could dominate when they had Harden and, and Kyrie and were out without KD was pretty interesting to me, especially the way that Harden had kind of changed his game but was still dominating um, in the role that he had. And he flat out told Kyrie or they had a little powwow and said, I'm the point guard. And Kyrie was on the same page. And you could see uh, what this team was doing. But it, it just sucks to know that he is dinged up that Harden is dinged up, you know, KD's still going through some things. I don't know if he's going to be hundred percent healthy in the playoffs. And you, you hope that Harden is, you know, I mean, hamstring injuries are nothing to play around with because those things can linger. And, and that's the thing with this, with the league so far is just the amount of injuries that we've had. And the problem with it is we've seen so many soft tissue injuries. And by that, you mean, there's so many different muscle pulls and muscle strains and things like that. And I don't know how much this has to do with having a short off season. I think some guys were ramping up ready to begin the season in January. And then they actually began right before Christmas. So threw off some guys schedules, different things like that. But we have seen a litany of them and to big names as well. And I know you can mention some of the other guys have gone down, but it's made it tough and you, you get ready and we're going down the stretch run to get to the playoffs. And it almost feels like, who can stay healthy? Just whatever team can be healthy going to play. I mean, injuries are always going to play a part when you get to the postseason. Teams and players are going to be dinged up. But now it's not just dinged up. It's just like who's actually really dealing with something after you go through a strenuous season. And whatever team can actually be the healthiest, you know, might be the one that can persevere through the postseason. It's survival of the fittest, isn't it? <laughs> it out is, man. I mean, look at the guys that are missing. I mean, hell, we lost Jamal Murray, which really sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's gone. Donovan Mitchell went down, and we all gasped and freaked out. Luckily, it's just a sprained ankle. You'll probably miss a couple of weeks. You know, we Harden's going to be out to the playoffs, most likely. KD dealing with all his different things. You know, Kawhi Leonard was announced he's going to miss probably a week, maybe longer. He's got a right foot injury, but, you know, Paul George, you know, picked up his play. He's been dinged up, but kind of playing through it. You know, Giannis, really well. Giannis missed a couple of weeks, but he's been back for three games now. Uh, Tobias Harris with the Sixers. He's dealing with the knee injury right now that we don't think is serious, but, you know, you never know. You know, Ben Simmons is, luckily, it's just an illness. They say it's not COVID, but he's dealing with some kind of stomach illness or something. Um, Dame Lillard missed three games. He's expected to be back on Wednesday night. And that's not even counting what's going on with the Lakers in that, you know, Anthony Davis, it looks like he's coming back this week. Might be. You reverse jinxed that one, Brian. I flat out reverse jinxed that one last week. What? out? But I still have questions about AD when he comes back because you're, you're talking about, you know, this Achilles injury. You know, the Lakers say he's only going to play 15 minutes a game and it's going to be short spurts and they'll ramp him up for there. So we will see. I mean, there's. You always have serious questions when you talk about an Achilles, especially with the big guy. So we'll see. LeBron sounds like he's going to be back in two to three weeks, you know, after he keeps putting out like these, um, you know, thunderstorm messages on Instagram about how a storm is coming. And uh, you almost wonder maybe he'll be back a little bit quicker than that, but it sounds like he's ramping up his um, on-court things. So they might be, you know, getting back to being healthy. And if AD can be healthy, it's funny because like we talk about these injuries going into the playoffs and these setbacks for different teams. It's it's almost like LA maybe had their injuries and are getting their guys back at the right time to where now, you know, they can be 
they won't be tired. And if they can be healthy, if they've recovered from these injuries, maybe their top two players will be fresh going into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, fresh is one thing, but I, again, and I don't want to get into it too deep, but like I was saying last week, it still worries me about these teams that might not have that same chemistry as they had when those players were healthy. Maybe they have new teammates that came off of the buyout market or from the trade market. And you don't know how they're going to play with them, especially in a playoff environment. Oh, absolutely. You know, the one thing I will say, though, about L.A. is that they won it last year. And obviously they have different parts on their team. But for the most part, their team is the same. Um, you know, the, the, you know, when you get down to crunch time, I don't care what anybody says, like, you're only going to see so much of other bigs not named Anthony Davis. I mean, Marquise Morris will be a guy that's out there, you know, soaking up a lot of minutes, especially in crunch time with AD playing center. You know, we we basically know what their crunch time lineup is going to be, or we know at least four of the five. I mean, the, maybe one of the guards will be, you'll, you'll figure out, like, is Kuzma going to play? Could they have Caruso out there? Or is it going to be Schroeder? Could it be THT who's starting to play well again? You know, so, I mean, they, they've got some. Yeah, career the other night, didn't he? Yeah, he had 24. So, and I, I wanted to point this out too. When we talk about all the injuries and we go down the stretch here, this, you know, we, we always talk about seating in the West. I think it's a little bit tougher. So you obviously want to be a, a you know, a higher seed, but I don't think it's as important there. I think in the East, it's actually more important to be the top seed rather than the two. And here's why, because after the three seed, which is most likely going to be the Milwaukee bucks, there's a big time drop off. So if you are the two seed in the East, your second round is most likely going to be against Milwaukee. Whereas if you are the top seed, you could be facing the Hawks, the Knicks, or the Celtics. Even the Heat, if you really want to mean. Maybe the Heat. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, there's there's a drop off there. So I, I think it's a little bit more important to be the top seed in the East than it is in the West. That's fair. That's fair. And the Clippers are now trying to make a run for it in the, in the West. I mean, we've been sitting there going, well, the Jazz now without Donovan Mitchell, maybe they'll take a little step back. The Suns are only game and a half back. And then you look at the Clippers who have won, you know, 10 of 11. As we mentioned in, you yeah. know, in the open, man, Paul George just been playing his ass off. I mentioned, you know, Terrence Mann, uh, you know, a couple of podcasts ago about his development and how well he's played. Uh, you know, guys like Reggie Jackson stepping up, Marcus Morris, uh, they, they've just got it all going right now, and it's a it's a good feeling. You saw Ty Lue pump his fist when they won that game last night against the Blazers uh, when, when C.J. McCall missed that shot at the horn. You just saw Ty just looked very, very excited to win that game because that was a big one. That was a big one for him. Nick Batum still being a, a, a huge piece of that team. Um, they, they've just got it clicking on all cylinders right now. And even, you know, there's always going to be laws in the regular season. But like I said, I still think that this is the team you don't want to mess with in the West. I still think that. Well, they're only and three games not, out of the top any, seed now. Yeah, I was going to say. And that's not any, you know, disrespect to the Jazz or the, the Suns because I've really enjoyed watching them this year. I've enjoyed watching Denver this year. But it's just, it, there's just something about the Clippers and their mentality that are that, that that's sticking with me right now. And it looks like, PG wants to throw up the middle finger to everybody right now. And, you know, it looks like that he's trying to really show 
that this is more than just regular season because everyone's just going to continue to question the, the playoffs. But I think that PG is just locked in from that aspect of his mind. I think he is, he's, he's got something to prove. I think his, um, where he is mentally is a lot better than what it was last year. I think he was going through a lot, um, especially once the team got into the bubble. Not to say that this te- uh, this season has not been strenuous for players because, yeah, you're not in the bubble, but when you're on the road, you're staying in your hotel room. You're not allowed to do anything else. Plus, guys' schedules are thrown off because of how many COVID tests you have to get. So that can throw you off for when you'd regularly be getting rest or you'd be getting rehab or whatever else it is that you're going to do. So the schedules have been definitely different this year. But, you know, he's he's playing like he's possessed, you know, and then I will throw it out there again, somewhat jokingly, somewhat seriously, the Rondo effect. Because Rondo has made this team share the ball more. And that's something I said before I thought might happen. Maybe I thought it wasn't going to happen to the playoffs. I didn't know if it was going to have this kind of effect. And I'm not going to give him all the credit for as good as they are playing. But you look at their point guards that they've had, and you look at this team, this team was based on one-on-one play on offense. And now you see them sharing the ball and moving the ball a lot more. Yep. And they've, they've got the shooters to do it. As we know, they, they have a, a bunch of gunners on that squad. And that's a deadly combination. What, what I'd like to point out, too, about Paul George, and I think I said it, too, in the open, is that he's been putting it on the floor so much more. He's been getting to the line. That's the PG we need to see. That's the PG we need to see. All right. I, I hope guys can get healthy, and down the stretch run, we can see some good basketball because the games have been kind of up and down lately. They've been really close. There's been close ones, though, too. This is the thing that really gets to me because my friends will be like, oh, the National Blowout Association. Yeah, there's some nights where it's not so great. But, uh, like, are we going to leave out an amazing overtime game between the Suns and the and the Bucks the other night? Are we going to leave the, the, the close games out, like the one uh, with the Clippers and the Blazers last night? Like, you can't cherry pick them, is my point. And I'm not saying you are. I'm saying that just the general audience cherry picks the hell out of everything. And I'm like, one, you know that this season has been affected by COVID and the injuries are a huge part of that too because of the shortened season. Two, you can't just take this and not, you can't compare apples to oranges. Like, there have been close games. There have been really good games this year still, even if it isn't part of your narrative. There have been very good regular season games. And I know people don't care. Oh, it's the regular season, whatever. There is no fix. I'm sorry. There's no fix. If you, if you want to shorten the season, fine. But people are still going to complain. Just to complain. What do you do about the regular season? Get people to care. What's that in-between point between the postseason and you caring about regular season games? I'm sorry. The regular season still matters. It does. Even if you don't think it matters. There have been stretches or typically in the past we have, this is kind of a dead part of the year. Like you said before, exactly. where it's like, we're just trying to get to the finish line. Every, every, every freaking sport has that except for the NFL. Cause the NFL only has 16 games, right? 17 games. Sorry. But that's where we are right now. And yeah. there, there have been some nights and even a couple of nights in a row where there have not been some competitive games. However, there are still plenty of competitive games and there's still magical nights because we talk about like Steph Curry, what he did with the warrior against the Sixers, you know, on Monday night, mind you, um, we're totally discounting another game 
and that is the Denver Nuggets that night pulling out a two-point win against the Grizzlies in which Nikola Jokic, likely the MVP of the year, put up 47, 15, and 8. I mean, let's, I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, he's not doing it as flashy as a Steph Curry is, but Jokic is dominating and he put up another dominating performance in a highly fun, exciting game, double overtime win against the Grizz. In which John Morant tried to end it himself. Uh, he tried right. to, to do a put back. He tried to go Jamal Crawford on him. He, he missed the, 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 I think it was the floater. And then he tries to put it back. Uh, with with a crazy jam, but he didn't. Um, they're getting uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. back, by the way, soon. Thank goodness. Um, but, on. but no, I, I agree. And you look at the Nuggets, they've won three in a row without Jamal Murray, and they're picking up steam again. Like they, They're holding on to that four seed with a death grip out there. But if you have the, the front runner for MVP on your team, should be getting attention. There's something that, I found out the other day, just from the Slack channel, apparently there are multiple uh, national outlets, very, 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 very big outlets that will remain nameless that don't have a beat reporter currently assigned to one of the best teams in the NBA. How does that make you feel? A top six team in the NBA does not have a reporter assigned to them. Who has the, by the way, the front runner for MVP is on that team. How does that make you feel? Because you know that there's like at least three or four that are assigned to one team, maybe in LA, maybe New York, Brooklyn. It, it, it's, it's so dumb how this league is covered. It's not the most exciting place, and I get it. And they're not going to get the most attention because of Denver. But they were just in the Western Conference Finals, I and they know. can't have one person covering that team. Are you kidding me? I, I totally agree with you, and I understand the redundancy bias that goes on in the league, and I get it that you're going to have a team like the Lakers have multiple, you know, people covering that for an outlet, but. The Nuggets, like you said, made the Western Conference Finals. They have, you know... The sixth-best record in the NBA currently. One of the best young duos in the league with both guys under 25, I believe, or under 26. So, yeah, they probably deserve some love. And they you should have probably... It's embarrassing. Them. It's freaking embarrassing. Especially once you see how well that they're playing and Jokic is doing what he's doing. It might be like, let's call an audible here. Let's pull somebody off of this coverage, maybe that go there. Like, it. How do you not it's have the, way a, the league? Unfortunately, it's the way that media goes. It's like I'm not saying it's right, but unfortunately, that this crap happens. It, it it's taking everything, every bone in my body, not to name these companies, but I'm not going to do that and get ourselves in trouble. But they're very prominent companies. Would you like me to just you say it and I put a series of bleeps? You know, in post? <laughs> no, it's all good. God, though, I saw that. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. They have the front runner for MVP. They have a top six record in the league. They were just in the Western Conference Finals. And because they're not in a glitzy market, you can't have a reporter there. What? They had multiple reporters in Milwaukee for Giannis. The logic is not there. The logic is not there at all. And 
with that rant, I would just like to go into a couple other news nuggets around the league, and then we'll wrap this up before a big vein in my head pops. Chill, so, buddy. Chill, buddy. I know it's cold out there, and you can't go for a walk after this, but, you know. I can't. I can't. I got to something. Namaste. 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 Um, LaMelo Ball uh, on the track to returning for the Hornets, which is very exciting news. Uh, and they need it because uh, they're starting to drop a little. And, uh, you know, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham doing all they can to, you know, keep him up. P.J. Washington had another one of those random outburst games last night when he had like 17 in the first quarter. Um, but they definitely can use another another boost uh, to keep them in this playoff race. Indiana still can't figure out what's going on with them. Um, Karis LeVert, though, at least is playing uh, is playing well and, and like himself. I wrote an article on that. Um, last week, and it's just awesome to see him playing. Uh, but so, so those are a couple of news nuggets. I have to, have to, have to bring up the Washington Wizards once again. Just when you think they're down and out, they pull you right back in. Russell Westbrook, ladies and gentlemen. Russell Westbrook. 16 triple-doubles since the All-Star break. 16. And... Someone in my mention saying, oh, triple-doubles don't lend the wins. I understand that. I get that. But do we have to take away from this man's accomplishments because his team isn't winning? Can you ask, can you ask, can you ask Bradley Beal, who has been with this organization for multiple years, about wins? And, and why aren't we treating Bradley Beal the same way that we do with Russell Westbrook? You know, or Russell Westbrook the same way we do with Bradley Beal? Is it because Russell Westbrook has always done this triple-double stuff? Sure. But you can't tell me that that is not the guy on the floor giving the most effort, giving the most drive. I'll tell you what, man. He has been on a ridiculous tear. They've won five in a row now. They're still somehow in this play-in hunt. They're currently the 11th seed. You want to know a funny fact? <laughs> they are 15 and 10 against the West. 15 and 10. Meaning they've got 9 and 23 against the Eastern Conference. How ass backwards is that? I can't explain that one. I'm sorry. I can't. But Russ deserves the love. Considering that you are the number one fan of Mr. Russ, I can only imagine the look and outrage on your face when somebody recently asked KD his top five teammates, and he almost forgot to mention Russell Westbrook. He almost uh, forgot. He had to be reminded, and then he, he mentioned did. it was like, "Oh yeah, Russ." Katie might have been in the clouds on that one, though. He so I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna really fault him for that. And he did correct himself. So he did. Once again, we've got social media spreading all this information that that isn't true, and goes back. And there's not the full clip. There's the 30 second clip, and then boom, it ends as if the interview didn't continue. That's another rant for another day. But I like but, to imagine yeah. you watching that as Katie said it, and just you going, "Okay, next is Russ. Okay, now Russ. Wait, you haven't mentioned Russ yet. Now, now Ru Russell Westbrook. Ru Russell Westbrook." Listening to the audio, I'm just thinking, damn, that stuff must be pretty strong. That's all. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I mean, the, the laws have changed in New York pretty recently. That's right. <laughs> it was very spaced. It was very spaced out. The Denver Nuggets, everybody. I'm not saying anything in particular, but you know what? If you're in Denver, that's in the state of Colorado and things. Yeah. It is. More incentive, Brian. More incentive. But I, I wanted to drop 
in, in keeping this on Russ, I wanted to drop the stats that I have found uh, from our post on basketballnews.com. In 23 games played, 282 assists. The next closest players, Chris Paul and Nicole Jokic, with 192. It's almost 100 more assists since the All-Star break. Only De'Aaron Fox and Zion Williamson have gotten to the line more than him. And only Jonas Valanciunas and Rudy Gobert have more rebounds than him. So I think that that in it of itself is an accomplishment. And you know what I love uh, you know, about Russ? And, and I forgot to mention the clutch time stats too, by the way. 63% on his clutch time uh, shots. And he scored 60 points in said such situations since the All-Star break. All this since the All-Star break, by the way. We know he wasn't great pre-All-Star break, but that's also probably because he wasn't healthy. But uh, it's been really, really fun to watch him. Maybe not so much the team. Even though Davis Bersans has found the mark. He has found the mark, and he has to because he's making a lot of money, and that's his job. He's back over 40% from deep now. Remember how he how cold he was. But he's starting to find it again. Do you model your fashion sense after Russ? I have never once dressed up like Russ. You know, he only wears his clothes once and then he gives them away. I'm I'm wondering if you have anything from the Russ collection. I don't have that kind of luxury. Uh sometimes I wear the same clothes uh twice in one week. I'm talking jeans, people. I'm talking jeans. Same with me. Jeans and shirts. <laughs> but I just had to give Russ's flowers there, man, because it, it, it's just the triple-double stuff really irks me because it's like this is a guy that is going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no question in my mind. That, the last game uh, where Russ, by the way, didn't shoot very well, but he was still a plus-minus, even though he went 5 of 18 for the field. He was plus 12. Uh, 21,500 career points for Russ. He's the fifth active player to join that list. LeBron, Melo, KD, James Harden. It's important. I don't care what anyone says. Does it impact winning? Does the triple-doubles impact winning? That's a, it, it's a debate. It, it depends on how you're getting those triple-doubles. But Russ is playing out of his mind right now and deserves his flowers. Period. What kind of flowers would you give Russ? Ooh. Azaleas, roses. What else are there flowers? <laughs> would you like a, a nice Venus flytrap? Maybe some uh, lilacs or some tulips? I don't Just know. Just throwing it out there? Some nice daisies? <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. Sunflower? Last thing I'm going to touch on, by the way. And uh, kind of goes back to the theme of keeping it at 94. You know what I'm going to talk about. Hey, Kings, just coming off of a really, really good win against the Mavs. Kept yourself in this play-in conversation, right? De'Aaron Fox, one of the best since the All-Star break as well. Always up there with those numbers. Only player in the league averaging 29 and 6 since the break. Since the break is coming up a lot in this podcast, by the way. Maybe that's the name of it. (laughs) But it's been big time. He's been huge. They were on a nine-game losing streak. They win against Dallas, and boom. Season turnaround's coming. <clears throat> At home on Tuesday night, 
give up 134 to the bottom-dwelling Minnesota Timberwolves. Dead silence. Don't know what they are. Don't know what the Kings are. Do they deserve the play-in game? Probably not. I just want to see De'Aaron Fox in there, honestly. How about D'Angelo Russell? Not the bench last night. Had 26 at half, ended up finishing with 28, but 26 points at halftime. Six of eight from deep. Anthony Edwards continuing to be awesome. Read his GQ Q&A. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. It is outstanding and really encapsulates the personality of this awesome, this rookie that just exudes confidence and a care, you know, a carefree attitude, just happy-go-lucky guy. He's only 19. Really fun to, to read that. Cat dominated last night, too. But I just... The Kings, in this position, I looked at their schedule when I wrote that article on De'Aaron Fox about how well he's played, how he's been carrying the load, even though they've been on this losing streak, all that stuff. They get another shot at the Timberwolves tonight. That being a Wednesday. If they get swept by the Timberwolves, you can probably just close the door on those hopes. You have to remember about the Kings. Remember, they won seven of eight in March. And all they've done since then is lose 10 of 11. During that stretch. They go on long winning streaks and long losing streaks. It's so weird. It is so weird. There's never like a three and four and then you lose two out of three. No, it's we win six in a row or seven of eight and then we lose nine because that's their second nine game losing streak of the season, by the way. Since uh, March, they have held two teams to less than 100 points (laughs) and they gave up 101 to the Pistons or no, excuse me. No, they only scored 101. They lost that game. My bad. But yeah, there's two games where they've given up that they won, where they've given up uh, less than 100. In the recent stretch of losses, where they've lost 10 of 11, they have given up 120, 115, 129, 116, 113, 128, 117, 123, 122, and 134. It's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. Um, nothing against Luke Walton, but I think he might be looking for work. It's a lot. It's a lot of points. A lot of points. And it's not good. It's not good to lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves when the Mavericks are floundering, right? When Golden State, if Steph doesn't have a good game, then they're not going to win. Memphis is up and up and down. San Antonio is up and down. They got a big win on Tuesday. Derek White, big game against Indiana. But they're still there. They're still there. The Kings are right. not going to make the playoff. I mean, they're they're look at their schedule though. This is what this I is what's killing me. They will find a way to trip and fall over that. There's still six games out of the ten seed. Yep, yep. And the they Pelicans are flound- floundering too lately. Like I, they're, they're, that, that's a whole other conversation because like, but that ten seed's up for grabs is what I'm saying. It is because the Spurs don't give a rat's ass if they get it. But yet, you know, they won a couple in a row. They're twenty-eight and twenty-eight. They. There are four games ahead of the Pelicans for that. It, it is ridiculous that the Pelicans can't even get into the play-in game. We've talked about this before. They need to get them shooters. They need them shooters. Zion's clogged up in there. 
Let me let me ask this again, and this is a total hypothetical that we need to don't need to go deep on, and we're not the only ones that do this. Okay, how different would this Pelicans team be if they did not trade for Stephen Adams and they did not trade away Drew Holiday? No, probably defensively a lot better. I just definitely think they're have be somebody themselves because they are stuck now with a couple of bad contracts with Adams and Bledsoe, and James Johnson. <laughs> and they do not have Drew Holiday. Yeah, well, that's why I point Zion's there in that, that mean, they, experience. They, they've got all these draft picks, though, which, yeah. you know, who knows what those are going to be. And, I like Kyra Lewis, by the way. Kyra Lewis is a blur. Watch that dude play. Um, not now, because he's, he's still really young. But uh, just just wanted to mention that. Just wanted to mention that part. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got nothing else. Maybe I, I just wanted to point out that uh, Chicago's won a couple in a row. Vucevic, a couple big performances, uh, which is especially huge because Levine's out uh, with COVID uh, protocols for the next week or so. Uh, so that's big, big for them. But uh, did you have anything else on your mind? Oh, wait. Yes, I have something on my mind. I'm not going to end it here. Let's end it after this rant because you, you're on a roll today. I had to bring up the Zion to New York stuff. How can we not hit that? How can we not hit that? So, tactically, mind you, tactically, Zion gets asked about what it was like to play in the garden those two days, right? Zion's got a big smile on his face. He's like, oh, I love playing in New York. I love, love the garden. My love favorite place to play. Other than New Orleans. Which, bravo, young man. Bravo, young man. Because... This very tactical is very, very calculated what was said there. The pause in between him remembering to say New Orleans was chef's kiss. It was, it oh, was, it was great. wonderful. With that said, how many other superstars have said the same freaking thing in that city? Who doesn't want to play at the garden? Right? It's the Mecca. This is where you go to play basketball. This is NBA history. Lore, if you will. Didn't LeBron say something kind of yes. similar many eons ago? Yes. This is exactly what I want to talk about, though. Why are we constantly looking to what's next instead of what's now? Why? The Knicks are having a great season. For all intents and purposes. They're 32 and 27. They've got a star. They've got one that's turning into a star before our eyes. Why do we have to look at free agency in 2020 freaking seven, whatever year it is that's going to be over after his rookie extension? Why? Why are we looking at five years later instead of now? Why is this always the story? Why? I don't get it. There's good basketball happening. Basketball is fun. Cover it like the NFL. Cover it like baseball. Basketball's fun on the court. It's a good game. Zion's still a superstar in New Orleans. They had 28 games on national television this year. Why is it that we always have to do this stuff? Had to censor myself there. You know what's going to happen with Luca? You know it's going to happen with Ja. 
Hell, I'm surprised that LaMelo isn't already linked to the Lakers. It's always the same conversation over and over and over again, and it's lazy as hell. There's no other way to, to cover the league. It's either rings culture or this guy's going to be here in five years. Notice that Giannis, you haven't heard anything about Giannis this year. You know why? Because he signed a super next freaking extension in December. That's why we haven't heard anything of Giannis. And Giannis is doing the same thing that he's done his entire career and being a superstar. Why? Why? Why is it always the same thing? It annoys me to no end. There has to be a way to cover this league better, do better, because it's the same lazy conversation over and over and over again. And I feel for Knicks fans. I really do, because the Knicks have been teased to no end. They were supposed to get KD. They were supposed to get Kyrie Irving. They were supposed to get LeBron James. Carmelo was supposed to be the savior. I get it. But good God, can we stop saying that there are only three teams in the NBA or whatever it is? There are 30, guys. There are 30. There can't be 450 players on one team. Rant over. I think the Brooklyn Nets are trying to find a way to have all 450 on their team, though. Yeah, actively, yes. I will say this, to to put a bow on your wonderful rant. Unfortunately, this is what we do in the NBA, especially in the year or in the age of social media, because people are always wondering about what is next. There is always this factor of, and and I get with you because... I think that we have taken way too much attention from what actually happens on the court. There is the no other field. sport that is covered transactionally the way that the NBA is. Zero. I agree. Because Zero. This, people are always looking at what big name is going to go where because this is a league of star players moving all the time. And it is a league of hope. That's what people do. Oh, I hope we get this. I hope we get And the one team that is, whether they the team is doing it or not, but the market that is fueling that the most is always going to be New York because the Knicks have been so bad for so long, yet it is New York City, the Big Apple, you know? So that is going to fuel a lot of this. But how many times have we heard, where's LeBron going to go? Because we didn't think he was going to hang around in Miami. And there was all the talk even when he left Cleveland the first time. Where's he going to go? Hell, he he did it. You know, an hour-long special on TV talking about where he's going to go because there was so much hype around this. Look at all the attention that happened a couple of years ago with uh, with PG and Kawhi. Like, in the middle of the night, after a long week of where's Kawhi going to go, I know this, and I know that, and I know this, and I know that. And, oh, did you hear this? Did you hear that? And that's what we went through for a week. And it was high drama. There is so much focus on the NBA around two times of the year, probably even more so than the NBA finals. Those two times of the year are trade deadline and free agency. Yes. Which, by the way, they just announced, right now. They just That's announced my point. The free agency is going to begin. And, and I think it's a troubling thing from a standpoint of like, it's great to get attention for your league. They want to dominate, you know, these big headlines. They want to, they want to try to dominate the off season. You always want to get attention for your, for your league, even when games are being played. But I wonder if it gets to a point where, it takes away from what's actually being done on the court. It takes that focus away from the game itself rather than just 
what big move is going to come next? And, oh, my God, did you see this trade? Or, oh, my God, did you see that? This player signed over here. And look at how good they're going to be and la, 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 la. You know, so it, to me, it's something that I don't think the NBA is going to shy away from. But at the same time, I do wonder about when it comes to, you know, just watching what is actually going to happen with the game itself. When social media goes on and says that there aren't good games and that the product isn't good, are they actually watching or are they doing and saying what they're being told by how this league is being covered? That's my question. Because I can look at the top two in the West and tell you, it has been awesome to watch Utah and Phoenix. I can look at Philly and say, wow, what a turnaround it was from last season. But here's the thing when like, it comes to Utah and, and Phoenix, because we, we really love the NBA. But for your average fan, who is the star player that's attracting them to watch Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. But that, those are not necessarily household names. And for Chris, Chris Paul, Paul is 100% people, but, household but, but remember, he's not an above-the-rim kind of guy either. And that's what that, me a that's break, relevant. though. He's not an above the rim guy, and he's not a shooter like Steph Curry. I'm I am totally with you, and I'm not excusing that, but I think that's the excuses that people will give. That's well, a lame fact, excuse. I don't watch basketball then. Good I, lord. No, what I would say is hey, if you don't if you don't like it, that's fine. Or if you're not attracted to it, you're not gonna watch it on that basis, whoever totally get that, but don't complain about it because there's nothing to complain about. Yes, we can all enjoy those special moments when we get to see the highlights that come down, when we get to see guys dominate games, when we get to see fun performances like Steph Curry did the other night. We can all rejoice and enjoy that. I get it. But that doesn't mean that you have to put down the other things when there's plenty of great basketball that's being played. Maybe not every night, but on a regular basis throughout the season, there are things to look at. And I don't think the season is as bad as it as some people have made it out to be. Yes, it has been a little bit of a slog and the injuries have hurt. But at the same time, there are competitive games that happen. It's just they're not happening with as many star players necessarily. Or And we don't know who's going to play on a night-to-night basis because even if a guy isn't necessarily, you know, out for a week or two with an injury, you know, especially at this point of the season, Teams are going to try to protect their guys and say, we're going to sit this guy out. Hell, the Spurs just got fined again for, you know, for sending guys out. Look at what Utah did on Monday when they lost to the Lakers. They sat half their team. Yes, they did. I saw that. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was already out. And then they said, Rudy you know was what? out. Conley a, was out. We're playing a back-to-back. So let's, let's sit Conley. Let's sit Gobert. Let's sit. I mean, I was joking around in our Slack channel, like the old way the NBA used to promote games, like star player, star player, watch the NBA game. And I was sitting there going like, Joe Ingles, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, NBA, you know, but I mean, but you know what? It turned out to be a really fun game. It went to overtime. It was a really close competitive game. And it wasn't one of those where each team shot 40% and there was, you know, 60 combined turnovers. It was a very well-played game. Yes. No, yeah, that was a good game. I'm sorry my rant didn't, uh, you know, equal yours, but. No, it's okay. Mine was based more on anger and frustration but it's okay i've cooled down things are all good i'm sure that we'll get like four clips out of this episode spencer i know what will calm you down just after we get done with this go out and play a nice round of golf oh Oh, there it is the low blow ladies and gentlemen the low blow all right that'll do it for this episode of keeping it 94 like to remind you we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network and nine other great podcasts for you to listen to. And I'm not kidding. The Rex Chapman show. 
newest guest other than Jamal Mashburn, because Jamal Mashburn, that dropped on Tuesday. But on Thursday, be aware, Stephen Curry, the man himself, Chef Curry, the newest guest on the Rex Chapman show. We'll have that full episode for you Thursday. The full length episode for you to listen to. Really, really fun connection between him and Rex. Because you got to understand, Rex played with Dell. So Rex has known Steph since he was a wee little child. So that's awesome. Steph Curry, going to be on basketballnews.com. is a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network with Rex Chapman as a guest. How awesome. Oh, that was great. Neat and Unfiltered, their latest episode was a 420 special. Get this. Corey Blunt and Al Harrington on the business of marijuana and why that they've uh, become in entrepreneurs in that area. Very interesting episode and uh, a pair of really great players uh, back in their day. I'm shocked that somebody named Corey Blunt would go into the marijuana business. It's perfect. And I think it's actually a part of the story that he told to Jada and Kenyon. The postcast with James Posey, dishes and dimes with the ladies. Atan Thomas got the rematch. He had one of the last chance you kids on. Joe Hampton uh, was one of his latest guests uh, talking about Coach Mosley in that awesome series uh, that had just finished and wrapped up on Netflix. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., one of the hottest podcasts on the block right now, ladies and gentlemen. If you love X's and O's and you like analytical talk and the complete opposite of what the rest of the national media does, Listen to the Dunker Spot because you will get film breakdown and amazing, amazing content out of that show. And crazy bad jokes from Steve. Oh, lots of puns. Be prepared for the puns. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan. The Follow Through with Clips and Drew. And of course, NBA Top Shot Weekly. That's Alex Kennedy and Oliver Maroney. And by the by, Oliver Maroney will be doing a column every Thursday for us talking about Top Shot. So be on the lookout for that. On basketballnews.com itself, we've got a ton of content for you to consume. We've got a lot of interviews, awesome features, film breakdowns, you name it. Go visit that site right now. I promise you will not be disappointed. As I said earlier, you can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies. You can find him on Twitter at Brian Fritz. You can find me on Instagram at Spin Davies and him on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. I'm going to go outside and not golf now. Why don't you make uh, some I'm, snow angels? I'm going to go do some more shoveling. Probably cook a little. I do have the day off, so uh, I'm going to try to enjoy that as it's 35 degrees outside. And yeah, uh, this will do it for this episode in addition of Keeping It at 94. And we will see you next time. <laughs>